Thank you, uh, Wendy, for reading uh, that passage of scripture for us this evening. So, um, uh, let's come to our God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. This most inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. The word that you have given to us. The word of life. We thank you, Lord, that tonight we could also talk about the word incarnate, Jesus Christ. The one who left the splendor of heaven, came upon this earth, that he is indeed our treasure. We pray tonight for a mighty and powerful working of your Holy Spirit in this place. The Spirit of the living God would do the most profound, powerful, and personal work in our hearts, Lord, and through us in this fallen and broken world. Lord, I pray that you forgive me for my sins. That you would use me for your glory, for your praise. That you would hide me, Lord, in the shadow of the cross. And that tonight will be all about you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, friends, boys and girls, I see quite a few children here tonight. And warm welcome to you as well. Well, tonight is a joyful occasion for us here at St. Stephen's. A night to commission Ian and Rachel from the Lord's congregation here at St. Stephen's to the mission field. We also want to commend Olivier and Jasmine to our Lord as well. It seems that Jasmine's very busy tonight. She knows that something's up. She knows that she's going to the mission field, perhaps. But there you go. So, well, friends, we have seen. Uh, We have seen over the years how God in His grace has prepared both Ian and Rachel for the work that He has called them to do and has in store for them. I met, we met Ian when we came here to uh, St. Stephen's as a member of the selection committee. Ian actually interviewed me. And somehow it seems he gave us the job. And so I'm here, I'm here, here, nearly 13 years ago. And when I met this young man, Ian, I was quite impressed with him. He was, not that he's old now, he's still young. Uh, but uh, here was Ian, a young guy, faithfully serving in this congregation and faithfully doing his work in this place. Ian and myself made it a point to meet regularly on a weekly basis. Around 6.30, I think, in the mornings, Ian, was correct? Uh, 6.37, he was sometimes a bit late. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, had, uh, we had a quick breakfast, we met for prayer regularly. And uh, we saw God doing an amazing work through our prayer times. And Ian continued a wonderful ministry here at St. Stephen's with about five young people in the youth group. And perhaps the only young adult in this congregation... He didn't go out looking for Miss Wright. No, he served here faithfully. And then one day he said to me, I remember that in my office, he said, Chris, I want to pray for a wife. That's a good prayer point here. Let's pray for the right person. And then we kept praying. And lo and behold, one day he came and said to me, you know, I think I met this girl, Rachel Stokes. Wow. And then, of course, we knew Rachel from, uh, from Reservoir. And then from there onwards, 
Ian got married to Rachel and after a while he gave up his job as a software engineer and Rachel gave up her nursing job and they both went off to Sydney to Sydney Missionary Bible College for theological training. And that was also an exciting part of the journey of God's preparation uh, for them in ministry. And after training, they both returned here to Melbourne and Ian worked part-time in this congregation as a youth and young adults worker. And we did not have the opportunity at, the point, at that time uh, to have full-time appointment. And so Ian went back to full-time work in CSIRO as a software engineer and Rachel back. Uh, to nursing, and the Lord has blessed them with two beautiful daughters full of life, as we see tonight as well. And after prayer and careful consideration, and through a process of interviews, and speaking engagements in many churches to raise their financial support, we have finally arrived today, at this moment, to commission them to the mission field to further advance the kingdom of God. And personally, and for us as a congregation, this is such a joyful and a moving occasion for us here as a church to be able to be a church that is not on maintenance mode, but that is a church that is on mission mode. A church that is seeking to reach the lost for Christ. A church that is willing, by God's grace, to send people out from this place into the big, wide world outside the four walls of this lovely building that God has provided for us. And so today, we have come to this moment where Ian and Rachel uh, will take this gospel, this treasure, out into and advance the kingdom of our God. And so speaking, friends, of the kingdom of God, if there is one single theme that seems to be the most central and the most important theme of the entire gospel of Matthew... It would be the theme of the kingdom of God. We see in the first instance that the term gospel refers to the gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the announcement of the breakthrough of the kingdom of God. And here at St. Stephen's, we've been working our way through the gospel of Matthew. And today we are in this passage at this time to work our way through the text this evening. And in Matthew's case... He uses the phrase, the kingdom of heaven, rather than the terminology, kingdom of God. And he does this not because he has a different view of the meaning or the content of the kingdom of God, rather out of sensitivity to his Jewish readers. And so for Matthew, the doctrine of the kingdom of heaven is the same as the kingdom that the other gospel writers speak of as the kingdom of God. And so Matthew talks about the breakthrough of the kingdom and the arrival of Jesus in his incarnation. He announces the coming of the kingdom at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And at the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew speaks about the final, the final consummation of the coming of that kingdom in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24. And so, friends, tonight... From the first page of Matthew to the last page, we see this unifying theme of the coming of the kingdom of God in the appearance of the king himself, the Messiah of Israel, and the fulfillment of the kingdom promise. 
And so the Gospel of Matthew is rich in detailed information about the teaching of Jesus and particularly in his parables, which are not always included in the other Gospels. And so tonight, Matthew focuses on the parables of Jesus, particularly in relation to the kingdom, where Jesus introduces parables by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. The kingdom of heaven will be like this. And so tonight, we have three parables here. Did you notice that in the text? I hope you did. I'm sure you did. The parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the pearl of great price, and the parable of the fishnet. And at the end of the wonderful series of parables, the people were absolutely astonished at his teachings, and sadly the people were offended by him, and we will see that, and sadly the people, the, sadly Jesus' uh, hometown rejected him and missed the real treasure of value who was right before their very eyes. Well, friends, let's look at the parables very quickly. The first one, the parable of the hidden treasure. Look at this parable with me if you've got your Bibles to Matthew chapter uh, 13. Uh, Jesus told the parable of a man who found a treasure. The treasure was hidden in the field. Now in the ancient world, they did not have banks, no safe deposits, no special boxes in the banks to keep their treasure. So in the ancient world, what they did was, they took their treasure and they buried it. Why did they do that? Because in the case of an unforeseen calamity was to come upon them, the people would often place their treasure in a clay pot and bury their treasure. This was a safe way of protecting their, their treasure. And no one could easily find it. So the practice of the time was to hide one's treasure or valuables by burying it in a secret place in a field so that they cannot be robbed. Now... It's not a bad thing to do, is it? Maybe you got jewelry, maybe you got gems, maybe you got who knows what you have. And you might like to hide that somewhere. And when robbers come to your place, they're not going to look at the field, they're not going to look at your garden. They come straight to your cupboards. I'm not saying you should do it, alright? But anyway. Well, this was what, what, what they did and... Um, so now in case, in the event, so this was the practice at the time to hide one's treasure or valuables by burying it in a secret place in a field so that they cannot be robbed. And now if those who fled the place did not return, the treasure was still in the field until someone or somebody found it. Now this is a true story. It is said that on November 16th, 1992, a stockpile of late Roman silver and gold was discovered in a village in the UK. The treasure was discovered in a farmer's field. The farmer's name was Peter. He was the tenant farmer. And this farmer had lost a hammer. Have you ever lost a hammer in your garden? Well, this guy had lost a hammer. And he asked his friend, Eric Laws, a retired gardener, and a guy who was a metal detectionist, to come along and to help him. 
And so while searching the field with this metal detector, Laws discovered a noise, a sound. And he discovered, well, what's this here? And they dug it out and they discovered silver spoons, gold jewelry and various gold-silver coins buried in the field. Wow. And they decided to inform the authorities who excavated the field and found about 14,865 Roman gold, silver and bronze coins from the late 4th and 5th centuries. And about 200 items of silver cutlery and gold jewellery. Now friends, the total find had a value of about, any guess? (laughs) That's a, man, that would be great. Well, Three million pounds. Three million pounds. What a find, eh? The point is, friends, you never know what you'll find when you lose a hammer and you work in your garden. (laughs) So it pays. It pays to do gardening. (laughs) Alright? Anyway, let me come back. Let me come back to the text. So in this parable, Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's hidden in the field. The man was probably, probably a laborer doing his work on the farm. He would have been digging the field to lay a fencing post perhaps, or whether he dug it to, uh, to, 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 uh, to plant a tree. And suddenly as he digs, he hits something. And it's not a rock. Instead, surprise, surprise, he finds treasure buried. And when the man found it, what did he do? He hid it again. Now, he did not do anything wrong because he did not violate the laws at the time because anyone who found anything in the field was entitled to keep it. And so the people who were listening to Jesus knew what Jesus meant. And so to be sure, to keep the treasure, the man decided to keep it buried for safety. And then he goes a step further. Notice your text, friends. Then in his joy, he does something. He does something Amazing here. He goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Notice the word joy. He for the joy of finding it goes and sells all that he has because he needs the finances to buy the field. And with that money he bought the field and he was full of joy. Boy, wouldn't you be joyful if while working in your garden or on your farm you discover a buried treasure? Worth millions of dollars. See, the only thing that I dig out in my garden are weeds. When I work in the garden, not that I do much gardening. Uh, I mean, I, I, I try. See, this man has joy. He has joy because he has found treasure that is of immense value to him. This treasure is so valuable that his joy takes over. And in his joy, he sells everything he has. And he buys the field that the treasure now is secure. And his joy is because he has found the treasure. That's his joy. This parable reaffirms, friends, the supreme value of the kingdom of heaven. And I'll come back to the treasure later. Because it is treasure of value. Let's look at the next parable. Jesus tells us the parable of the pearl of great price. Again, verses 45 and 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. 
who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Here's a business guy. This guy has an eye for business. He is looking for pearls. Anyone here has pearls as jewelry? Maybe you do. Maybe it's there in your chest of drawers somewhere. Ladies, I don't know. Well, in the Old Testament times, pearls were apparently not well known. But by the first century of the Christian era, pearls became a symbol of status for the wealthy. And they would wear their pearls. And the more pearls they had, it meant that they were more wealthy. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, Do not throw your your pearls to, to swine or to pigs. Right? And so in the time of Jesus and the apostles, pearls were of much demand. And, and this business guy and business people around the world uh, at the time would, would uh, go across the Red Sea, the Persian Gulf, looking for pearls. And speaking of pearls, one writer says that merchants would go as far as India to get pearls and then get this, friends. Get this. This is important. For the better pearls, they would not just go to India, they went to another country close to India. Where is that? Come on. Ceylon. (laughs) Sri Lanka. You wouldn't believe it. Really, Sri Lanka has got valuable gems. I am serious. You might not take me serious, but I have not found any great gems in Sri Lanka because, boy, I would have been a millionaire. But it has great gems, wonderful pearls. Well, in this parable, this merchant was in the business of buying and selling pearls. And the people knew what Jesus was talking about again. And so, but this parable is different from the previous one. Notice it. In the parable of the hidden treasure, the man comes across the treasure. Whereas, notice that in this one, it is different. Here, the merchant searches for fine pearls. He goes looking for it in the course of his business. And in the process of his searching, he finds one exquisite pearl that was outstanding when compared to the other pearls. It was of great value. And this business guy finds this great pearl. And what does he do? He sells all he had and he bought it. Why would he do this? Was he rash? Was he foolish? No. He was a business guy. He saw a good deal and he sealed the deal. Alright? Here it is. It's, uh, you see, in, um, it is said that um, in the science of economics, there is a theory known as subjective value. That is, it teaches that value is not inherent, but is determined by the individual or the purchaser. Let me give you an example. At an auction, for someone, a house might be worth $500,000. The auctioneer is there and he's doing his best and he's He's carrying on. These auctioneers do that, don't they? You want to put the property on the market, but no, they keep going on and on and on. And someone else sees the property and says, I'll give 700. Why does the person pay 700 as opposed to 500? Because he sees it differently. Both value the house or the property differently. The point is, friends, that value has to do with what we appreciate and the things we esteem. 
And in both these parables, there is something of value attached to it. And Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like the man who found the hidden treasure, sold all he had with the joy that he had and bought the field. Why? Because he valued it. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a man who searched and found the pearl of great price. He sold all he had and he bought this precious pearl. Why? Because it had great value. The value is attached here. The value attached here is the kingdom of heaven. And who is the king of the kingdom of heaven? Who is it? Who is the treasure? Who is this treasure, friends? Aha. Uh-huh. The treasure here is Jesus. You see, the treasure here is Christ. The treasure here is this Jesus who is of great value, who is indeed the one who is the king of heaven. The kingdom of heaven belongs to this king Jesus. And when you find him, you have found the pearl of great price. When you find him, you sell everything you have and you trust him. And I don't mean by that you literally go and sell everything you have. The, the parable means that you put everything aside and you find this treasure and you hold on to this wonderful, amazing, powerful, profound Jesus who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the treasure. You see, that's what drives us to missions. Because our God is the sending God. Is that not the case? God is the God of missions, right? Agreed? Yes or no? Don't be afraid, you're in a Presbyterian church, you can answer. (laughs) God is the God of missions. He's the sending God. Right from Genesis chapter 3.15, He promised to send His Son. And He keeps on sending. And He sent the treasure from heaven, the eternal Savior, Came upon this earth. And now he sends us into this world. Do we see that picture here tonight? You see. And quickly then, the other parable. See, I've got three parables to work through tonight, friends. You know. Look at it. Look at the third one. What do we have here? Jesus now tells us another parable where the focus is changed in this third parable, 47 onwards. The parable here is about the fishnet. Now, most of the disciples of Jesus were fishermen. That was their trade and their livelihood. And they had left their fishing trade and decided to follow Jesus. So when Jesus told them this parable, again, they understood it. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a fishnet thrown into the sea to gather fish. Now, have you gone fishing? You like fishing? No one likes fishing. I see a few hands. Oh, a few, I see even a little girl raising her hand. Well done. What? I mean, the only time I've caught fish was at a fish, fish farm somewhere. It was terrible, terrible, you know. Anyway, I tried fishing at Portland. I sat there for hours. I caught nothing. I felt like going past Warnable and buying some fish from the fish market and taking it home. Didn't work for me. But see, fishing at the time, friends, they had the fishing nets. And often it is said in Galilee, they would, uh, they would have, the, have the boat and the fishing net would draw, the, the, the boat would draw this fishing net and they would put it out 
and the fish would get gathered, caught into this net. Sometimes there were two boats, side by side, and there was a massive net, and both boats would pull the nets, and all the fish would get caught into this. All kinds of fish were caught. And then, notice what happens. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net, 47. Thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. They put the good fish. I was trying to figure out what kind of fish this was. Jesus doesn't tell us. There's nothing in this parable to tell us the fish. I would would suspect that fish like salmon. We don't know. I'm, I'm I'm not reading too much into the text, but I would presume salmon may have been in the good containers. But they threw out all the bad ones. Right? I, I like salmon. I'm sure you do as well. And he said that there are about 20 varieties of fish in the Sea of Galilee. So we, we don't know. But not all were able to be eaten. And now listen to the explanation, friends. 49. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. Verse 50. And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, Jesus is speaking about the last judgment. At the last day, that is judgment day. On this day, God will gather all mankind to himself. Just as a fisherman catches all kinds of fish in the net. And on this day, there will be a separation. And all of us will stand before this God. And there will be a separation of those who know him. And those who do not know him. And the angels will separate the saved from the unsaved. That is those who have trusted Christ as their savior and belong to his kingdom. And those who have not. To those who have not. There is a solemn warning here. Don't you see that? You see, you can't speak of this text without the heart of God for missions. Because what we see here is that there is a fiery furnace. And in that place there is weeping. There is gnashing of teeth. A very, a terrible place to be in. And it's the grace of God that shines through in His Son, Jesus. The grace that is so amazing, that comes in Christ, the treasure from heaven, to save the unsavable, to love the unlovable, to capture the broken hearted, and to give them a new heart in Christ. That's the mission that God has called us to do. And Ian and Rachel have taken up that challenge to go into a place, into a new place, where you have challenges, you don't know what to expect. It is emotional. It is emotional for us as well, but more so for your families. But they, in your prayer, John, you mentioned, they have surrendered their children to Jesus. Because to be in the will of Jesus is the safest place to be in. You see what I'm saying? There is no safer place 
apart from being in the will of the Lord. And so here in this text, on this day God will gather all mankind to himself and on this day there will be that separation, friends. Dr. Montgomery Boyce, speaking in, on this parable as the final separation, speaks of four important facts about God's judgment. It is thorough, it is determined, it is permanent, and the end of the wicked will be dreadful. And we read, Simon read Psalm 2. Did you notice Psalm 2? Psalm 2 is a messianic psalm. The most powerful psalm, one of the powerful psalms that we read. And the psalmist speaks about the king. Kiss the sun, it says. That is, humble yourself under the sun. Because this king is coming. And the nations will be under who? King Jesus. You see, today the church is suffering in many places. Before I came tonight, uh, this evening, my, uh, Rose was reading to me an article about uh, their crosses have been taken down in some churches in some parts of the world. I will mention the place. And it's been replaced by other things. And I said to Rose before I came, and I said, dear, we can't stop that. One day a king will come riding on a white horse. The warrior king. And he will deal with everybody in his own justice. Is that right? But we have a challenge today. And that is to take this message. No one will escape this king. So what's valuable about this kingdom, friends, as we wrap up this message? It's all about knowing the king. It's all about trusting Jesus. To find the kingdom of heaven is to belong to Jesus. It is trusting in Christ alone and putting everything aside to trust him as our savior. Because here is lasting treasure of value. Everything else fades in the light of this truth of knowing this Jesus. Nothing else will save. No one else will save us from his judgment. Notice how the passage ends. Jesus finished this parable. He went away and said, do you understand these things? Then go and share this message. Now, not all of us can go into the mission field. The point is that if we have tasted the love of Christ for us, then we should share this treasure. Share Jesus. And the section ends on a sad note, doesn't it? 53 to 58. Jesus had finished these parables. He went away, coming to his hometown. And what did the people say? Is this the son of the chippy? You know what chippy is? Huh? Carpenter. Huh? This carpenter's son, what good can he do? He's not his mother so and so, and his brothers, and all of these guys. We know them. We know this guy. How can he come and teach us things? He's just a chippy's son. No offense about carpenters here tonight. They're just an ordinary block. And they were offended, the Bible tells us. You see, knowing Jesus, humble beginning and his family, they looked down on him. They took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own household. Verse 58, this is sad. And he did not do many mighty works there. Because, why? Because of their unbelief. He went away. So friends, in wrapping up, tonight we have seen these three parables. Hidden treasure, pearl of great value, the fishnet. They all relate to the kingdom of heaven. 
The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God means to live under the kingship of Jesus. It is to trust Jesus, the king of his kingdom. Jesus is that treasure. No treasure can be compared to him. We have seen that the third parable of the fishnet, that there will be a day of judgment, a day of separation. And so tonight, there is a challenge to us here this evening. To anyone here tonight, if you don't know Jesus, then my plea to you tonight, on the basis of God's word, is come to Christ today. Don't wait for that last day. To those of us who know Jesus, trust the treasure, Christ himself. Who do you treasure in your life? Who do you treasure in your life? Who's the most valuable treasure for you this evening? Is it Jesus? Or is it Jesus plus? Or is it something else? Or someone else? I put that question to me as well. Who do I treasure most in my life? Is it Christ? Ian and Rachel, our prayer is that the Lord will go with you as you know this treasure, Jesus Christ. That his blessings will be upon Olivia and Jasmine as well. I want to assure you of the support of God's people here in this place. And we pray that in the name of Jesus, that you would go out because you, are, you know this treasure, you know Christ, and that you would share with this broken world, the love of Jesus Christ that people need to know and to hear. What a joy it is for us to share the gospel because the King of Kings went to the cross and at the cross Jesus gave his life, was crucified for our sin, he rose from the dead. Brothers and sisters, the kingdom of Heaven, the kingdom of God, is of lasting value. Our treasure is Jesus. Here it is. To know and serve him is to belong to the kingdom of heaven. In closing, I'll leave a question with you to ponder. Are you, are you in that kingdom? Are you serving this king? Worth thinking about, isn't it? And in the end, when the king returns, he will say, Well done, successful servant. Did you get that? No. Well done, good and faithful servant. When we see this Lord, enter into your rest. Because I am the king of my kingdom and nothing And no one will bring it down because I sit on the throne. This is the king we worship. This is the king you serve. And may the Lord bless you as you serve him. Let's pray.